Hello, it is 25th of August 2019 and this is episode 113 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. In Kirsty's absence, I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm Blue Star Prince on Twitter and Huck's fan blog on Tumblr. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And we've got a really exciting range of news and stuff to cover this time because so much has happened. And also because Melissa is a massive Thrawn fan and knows so much about him. She's going to be waving that Thrawn flag and we're going to have a spotlight on Thrawn as well. So it's an action-packed show. It's going to be Thrawn-tastic. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so more Thrawn than you could possibly imagine. And it's also going to be very educational because I know so little about Thrawn <laughs> that the format we decided upon is me asking these like basic bitch questions, basically, <laughs> about Thrawn. And then Melissa very patiently and considerately explaining to me the answers. So, yeah, she's paying everyone a service. So thank you very much <laughs> no to her. No problem. Yeah, and if by any chance this is your first episode of the podcast, just to give you an overview of what we do, we deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy, the future of the saga. Um, This podcast is usually me and my co-host Kirsty, but Kirsty's had a baby, so she's away on break for the time being, and in the meantime I'm joined with a selection of awesome guest hosts. Two weeks ago, I had Lisa on the show and she helped me with an amazing spotlight on Luke where we dive really deep into his character journey in The Last Jedi. And yeah, if you have any interest in Luke and the mythological underpinnings of his story in that film, I really recommend you go and check that out. But yeah, I'm I'm sure that's enough blathering from me. Um, (laughs) How have you been dealing with all this excitement, Melissa? How do you feel about all the tornado of news that has struck us. It's kind of like, you know, walking through a desert in, you know, of Star Wars content and then you're all of a sudden at an oasis and you can like drink as much water as you want and you're just suddenly inundated with all of this content and it's just it's just I've been trying over the last like twenty four hours to absorb all of the new stuff and, you know, teasers and things we've gotten. That's a really great metaphor. <laughs> And yeah, like to expand on that, it's kind of like when you get to the oasis and you drink and you drink and you drink and then you suddenly realise that you're in pain because you've drank exactly. too much. <laughs> I kind of feel like I've reached that point because you almost like overdose on stalls <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know what's real anymore. Yeah, it's been literally nothing over like, well, not literally nothing, like the Thrawn book and some other books have been come out, but I mean like stuff about like the tv shows and the films and and you know comics and all of that it's just all this coming out like at once and it's like whoa we're finally back in star wars season again (laughs) exactly it's a news week long to be remembered um yep so i think that actually makes a good segue so obviously the main thing that we're going to talk about is d23 because that's where all this news has been coming from And because of our focus as a sequel trilogy-centric podcast, we're going to start out by talking about the Rise of Skywalker stuff that has emerged. Um, And the first thing we're going to touch on is that on the first day of the convention, there was a Disney Legends panel. And I believe that prior to that panel, they showed some very brief footage from the Rise of Skywalker. Um, And this footage, I believe we had descriptions of it previously from a shareholders meeting that was way back in the spring, I think. 
Um, so yeah, it wasn't completely unfamiliar to us, but it was really cool to actually see it for the first time, even in crappy potato quality. <laughs> um, but yeah, what stood out to you about this footage? Marissa? I mean, I just what can't get over the most? every time I see, like, the characters look so good. That's the first thing that really, <laughs> I'm like, they do, don't I'm they? just excited <laughs> for more Star Wars. And I love yeah. and Ray's costume. And then Kylo looking like all sad Bionic hero esque, looking down at the Vader mask, and it's just it's yeah. just overwhelming. <laughs> just a few cl- yeah. potato quality, as you say, clips, but it's just like really exciting. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Like as you say, when you're so starved for yeah. anything halfway decent, this is just pure magnificence. And yeah, I agree with you that everyone looks fabulous. Like everyone really feels like they own their looks now yeah. because in the previous films for example Finn he was kind of like an accumulation of like various like odd elements yeah. like he was wearing Poe's jacket he wasn't wearing his own jacket and I like that in these new images he has a very different outfit now and it's not completely dissimilar from what he was wearing in the yeah. previous films but it's clearly something he's made his own and he's clearly much more confident in his own identity which I think is fabulous. And Ray, she's even lighter than before. <laughs> and there's the obvious Padme influences that we've oh, spoken yes. about, which are really nice. And Poe, who I know is one of your faves, yeah, Melissa. Yeah, he looks really um, good. <laughs> he does. He <laughs> looks really, really nice. Yeah. yeah. He's got like the whole Nathan Drake thing. Yeah, and it's he? working for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he really, really suits it. It's a fabulous look. Um... Yeah, like I think the most substantial thing here is that we have a little bit of dialogue from Ray, which was, it's too dangerous, I have to go alone. Which again, we had heard from the shareholders yeah. meeting, so it's not exactly groundbreaking. But it was fun to watch in this little selection of footage, how as soon as Ray finishes speaking, it cuts to Kylo Ren. Yeah, very continuation of TLJ vibes with that, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. One can assume that when she says it's too dangerous, she's probably talking about Kylo, some sort of weird forcey thing yeah. that just needs to involve them for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, just give us this context. We need context. <laughs> yes, definitely need yes. context here. Exactly. So it really is like being a junkie, isn't it? You get so much, but then you're like, got my fix, and even next one, <laughs> yeah, give well us more. Fix. Give us more. Come on. <laughs> Give us the whole film now. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you, Disney? Don't you appreciate the fans? (laughs) Halloween release, come on. (laughs) No, and obviously I love, like, Kylo looking in his chest of drawers, actually, which I really like. It's very organised of him. (laughs) And, like, just opening up that smoking Vader mask. I just have so many questions about the practicalities of this. Like, was this, like, thing specially commissioned to hold that mask? I guess it has been like about a year since The Last Jedi, so he's had time to indulge himself with that sort of thing. I feel like he'll open the next set of drawers over and his calligraphy set and stuff's going to be in there and he just has like all of his stuff all neatly like packed away so he can compartmentalise both his objects and his feelings. <laughs> I like that. That seems very Kylo. He like runs an interesting line between being very structured and organised and completely chaotic, yeah. which is why we all find him so interesting. 
but yeah, it was a really cool little tease. Um, would like to see it in HD. I'm sure we'll eventually get the clips in HD. We'll certainly get them in HD in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say in the like cinema at least. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine they released Rise of Skywalker and it was the entire film, but it was all just like cam footage. Oh, you know I would still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me revise that. What if it was all cam footage, but cam footage in Russian with no subtitles? I mean, at least we could still look at Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah nice that's a good test of someone's hardcorety yes. <laughs> I love it okay cool so with that covered let's move on to the main event so to speak of the Rise of Skywalker stuff so several things were revealed at the panel um, there was lots of banter between the cast and people trotting out lines about things like I can't go through it all one by one and a lot of it isn't particularly revolutionary it's stuff that we already knew like about how they're incorporating footage of Leia and how she's very integral to the movie which is lovely but again it's old news um the most striking piece of new information for me was that they revealed that Poe and Zori have a past and they were very much playing up the angle that it's a romantic (laughs) past that they were an item and yeah, like that's certainly interesting to me. They're both really good looking Yeah, people, they sure are. <laughs> so yeah, so it makes sense. I, I kind of feel sad for all the Finpo people. Right. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it couldn't happen. They made it clear that Poe and Zori, if it did occur, was in the past. So who knows what could happen going forward. Lots of possibilities there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like Poe doesn't place limits. On oh no, I think Poe loves everybody <laughs> and everyone loves him. Pure altruistic love. Yes. That's the best kind of love. (laughs) But yeah, no, that was really interesting to me because with that character of Sori, we've heard all kinds of wild rumours about her. Um, Like there's been lots of suggestions that she's related to Rey somehow, Luke somehow. And those things aren't completely impossible, but I'd say it suddenly becomes a little bit more eyebrow raising if... Like, Zori has a history with Poe, and then she has a history with Rey, and then she has a history with Luke. I kind of feel like it would just become a bit silly if you take that too far. So, from what they're saying, it seems like Poe is going to be the main connecting point to Zori. But who knows what will happen. Like, she could end up having ties to the other characters as well, because Star Wars does seem to be built on lots of fabulous coincidences. What did you make of that news? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting to kind of, you know, confirm a connection between two of the characters and and also that, you know, it seems like she's probably going to be teaming up with the good guys, if not the beginning of the film, at least by the end. Like... Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking that past connection with Poe is maybe she was like with the Republic in the past, and and then you know they she either knew Poe's family or worked with Poe in his like early days, you know, in in the Republic military, and then then maybe she went rogue or like wanted to do her own thing, and then now she's seeing like you know the resistance needing help, and her conscience catches up to her, maybe something like that, but. Either way, she seems like she's going to be a really cool character and I'm interested to see like you know, what her role ends up being. Yeah. And then the first truly, like, holy shit thing that they released at this panel was a poster for The Rise of Skywalker. The first poster that has been more than the 
title against a black star field, which is like, yes, yes, very nice, but it doesn't tell us anything. Um, and it's really cool looking. Um, would you care to describe the poster, Melissa? Yeah, so there's this looming image of Palpatine's face descending over space over a battle of Rey and Kylo Ren um, on some p- sort of ship. It looks like they're fighting just out in space, f- dueling out it out, and Palpatine's kind of got that he 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 look in his eyes. <laughs> Yeah, he looks very happy and pleased for himself, doesn't he? Like, And that in turn makes me happy, because all I want is for Palpatine <laughs> to be happy. Like, If that's the ultimate outcome of the sequel trilogy, then yeah, it's still <laughs> No. <laughs> Palpatine shouldn't be happy by the end of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's very well described. Um, yeah, it's a really cool poster. Um, my guess would be that they're probably fighting on a piece of that Death Star wreckage. Oh, yeah. Although yeah. it's too nondescript to really know what they're doing. Um, and who knows how representative this is of an actual moment in the film, because it's clearly something where there's lots of dramatic yeah. license. So, like, in the Last Jedi poster, for example, we have that great pose of Rey where she's, like, standing in the middle, holding the lightsaber aloft and looking up as the faces of Luke and Kylo loom above her. And there is no equivalent shot of Rey in, like, in that yeah. pose in the movie. Um, I feel like this probably is analogous to an actual fight that happens in the film, but we can't be sure until we see it. I think the main reason that makes me think it's probably something we're going to see in action is because it's very reminiscent of that Vanity Fair like shot where Rey and Kylo are fighting in yeah, the rain. yeah. And, like, it seems very similar, and there's also, like, waves crashing around them, and it's all very dramatic. I think the major difference is that Kylo is wearing his mask in this shot, whereas he's maskless in the Vanity Fair shot. So, yeah, I put up a tweet about this on the (laughs) podcast account, but my theory, and it's not a very, like, whoa theory, but it is a theory, is that the mask shatters during the fight. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, like, I know it's bad to build yourself up towards headcanons and count on things happening too much, but I really want that to happen. The poster also really shows that Palpatine's probably going to be a really big player. I mean, we knew from the end of the the trailer, the episode 9 trailer with the Palpatine laugh that, oh, he's going to definitely play a part somehow. But now seeing this poster, it's like, oh yeah, it looks like they're kind of alluding to Palpatine pulling some strings with events that are going on. Oh yeah, no, 100%. That's a really good point. Really, that laughter in the initial teaser, that could have meant almost anything. It could have been they come across a recording of Palpatine and he's not actually like present in any real way in the movie. He's just like this looming spectre, like an embodiment of this dark legacy that they need to combat. Whereas that appearance on the poster, it very much indicates that he's going to be appearing in some sort of corporeal form. Like, even if it is as a ghost, he's going to be yeah, physically present yeah. in some way. Because I think they could still go, like, the Dark Force ghost route, or they could, like, pull a, a, um, a feather out of, like, Legends, where when Palpatine dies in Legends, he, like, puts, like, a conscious order to Mara Jade to go kill Luke, and, like, kind of leaves her with this urge to, to kill Luke, to get revenge on Darth Vader by killing Luke. Mm-hmm. So even if like Palpatine's like not technically still alive, he could have like left either some recording or like just sent like a projection of, of himself to like spur someone on to like, you know, do his bidding. And so it could be something like that too. 
Yeah, no, exactly. However they do it, I think he's going to be the one pulling the strings. And he's going to be the ultimate evil to defeat in the movie. If that isn't what they're offering, then they're kind of lying in the advertising. Yeah, the poster would be really misleading if, oh no, Palpatine's just going to sit over here. Kylo's really the big bad. He's just, you know, invited him over for brunch. (laughs) They've got to offer us something a bit different from that, I think. (laughs) And... Yeah, like I really like it. And yeah, my little shipper heart is also very pleased to see Kylo kneeling before Rey, as he should. Indeed. Because he acknowledges who the greater person is <laughs> and it's not him. So, yeah. But yeah, it's a really beautiful poster. And I also love the use of colour, like how there's these like lightning strikes, basically. Yeah. Connecting to Rey and Kylo. And there's these like blue lightning strikes going at Rey and these red ones going at Kylo. And tell me if you think this is a reach too far, Melissa, but I kind of see like force lightning in the ones going at Ray. The f- blue force lightning reminded me of the Palpatine's, you know, lightning in ROTJ when I saw that. It's really reminiscent, isn't it? And yeah, like I, I know some people hate this, but it really does scream like Ray Palpatine. Oh my God, that's one of, it's not like a real theory that I like, but I've written a few fixed where. because it's so like edgy you know it's it's so compelling and i'm not saying that's gonna happen but it would be kind of interesting even though like yeah ray nobody has a lot of significance and i think that's what the line that they're going to go down but if they did go ray palpatine that would be like it's something else for ray to like overcome you know so yeah like and i don't literally need it to be she's the great great granddaughter of palpatine (laughs) (laughs) um because She's definitely not going to be his child because that's not how time works. <laughs> but yeah, like just her like fate somehow being manipulated or orchestrated by Palpatine. I like yeah. that idea. Like the fact that he perhaps could be responsible for her being abandoned in some way. Ooh. You know, something like that is really interesting to me. Or the idea that he could have like being behind the creation of her yeah like in the sense that he used unsuspecting regular joes like and like took advantage of this child basically so it's interesting but this poster at least confirms that yeah the the palpatine issue is going to be a major plot thread so i'm curious to see what happens exactly we've got lots of fun in store monster speculation ahead (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so much speculation (laughs) we're not gonna know what to do with ourselves um so the next thing and perhaps the biggest thing is that they released what seems to be a whole saga sizzle reel and to my raging annoyance they have actually said that they're not going to release the footage until monday and we're recording this on sunday so those bastards couldn't be considerate enough to make it convenient for me to record the scavengers horde podcast so a pox on their house no i'm teasing i'm teasing um although it is kind of annoying so yeah really the main thing i want to talk about is what's said to be the final moment of this footage and i'm quoting from sad boy kylo on twitter here so thank you so, which is said to be Ray cloaked with a hood, and she flips open her staff into a double-ended red <laughs> saber. And Ray is like standing really still. She looks possessed or under a spell. She's just standing still. So, yeah, that's a very intriguing description, oh my God. and I need this image in my eyeballs 
Where does your mind Dark go with Ray. this one? <laughs> Either possessed by Palpatine Ray or conflicted Ray or a vision of mm. like she's tempted by like some dark relic and the dark side shows look how powerful you can be Ray if you just yeah. gave in to your true powers. And yeah. and then she looks so badass as Dark Ray. I've seen so much fan art and if that's uh, she's actually going to have like a badass dark costume like that even if it's just like a vision. That will just be all my dreams come true if I can just see that on film for a few, even for a few moments. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds fabulous, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm really glad they found something that will inevitably set the internet on fire because <laughs> God, stars needed it. It just needed a shoot in oh, the arm. Yes. And it sounds like this is the shoot in the arm that we needed. So it's like, oh, thank God. And yeah, like, I really don't care if it's to some extent misdirection. Like, if it is, for example, just a vision, which I would consider misdirection because you know for a fact that people will be like, oh, she didn't actually turn dark. It was just a vision. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Like, I wouldn't mind. It's like, as long as the footage is in the movie... I think it's different if they show that footage in a trailer and then it's nowhere to be found and you have no idea how it could have been incorporated in the film itself. Because I'm kind of used to like trailers kind of showing stuff, but like in a way that's a little misleading. So you still don't know like what the context is. And I'm kind of used to movies doing that. But then if they don't actually like show in the film, that's when I think, oh, that was a a bad play on their part to get people, you know, to watch the film. Yeah, exactly. It just seems a bit cheap, doesn't it? And I like to think that Star Wars is too classy for that. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it holds itself to higher standards. But, yeah, it sounds like a really epic teaser. And I love how apparently they're like, juxtaposing these new shots from The Rise of Skywalker with clips from all across the saga. I think that's really cool. And I saw that Courtney from Who Talks First said that the like selection of shots from the old movies includes the hand touch moment Ooh. from The Last Jedi, which might be more exciting than Dark Ray to me. That's equally exciting, I would say. <laughs> I might be exaggerating a bit, but it's kind of like, yeah, you prove to people that that is a truly pivotal moment from the saga, people. Yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> so, yeah. I was really happy to see that. And yeah, I just need to see the thing for myself. Then this goes back to the feeling of overdosing because after the panel had completed, they wheeled out all the cast members and JJ and KK, actually. Sorry, so many acronyms. So JJ Abrams, the director, Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm. Yeah, and they wheeled all these people out to the members of the press and they were interviewed. And there are so many interviews and I barely know where to start. I will say that a lot of it seemed really realotastic. Um, would you like to read out the words that people use to describe the Ray and Kyla relationship when responding to Good Morning America? Yeah, so they were asked, how do you describe the Kyla Ray relationship in one word uh, on Good Morning America? Che Che describes the relationship as desperate. Daisy <laughs> describes the relationship as connected. And KK um, describes it as very, very complicated. That's two varies, not just one very. <laughs> and she used three words. <laughs> that really makes me think that Facebook needs to like have a new category of relationship that is 
It's very, very complicated. Yeah, complicated, very complicated, then very, very complicated, which apparently only Kylo and Rey have that category right now. Yeah, and they should also have categories for desperate and connected. You should have, like, single, um, in a relationship, desperate, connected, very, very complicated. <laughs> relationship status. Kylo is desperate with Rey. <laughs> yes, that's exactly his status by the end of Last Jedi. It might need some grammar polishing, yeah. but yeah, that's 100% where he is. Um, but yeah, people were saying marvellous things. Um, I really can't recommend enough that people go over to Slimo's Twitter and check out what she's been pulling together there because she does an absolutely amazing job of bringing all these clips and interviews together into one place. And yeah, I feel like I'm still processing because this stuff only broke yesterday and I'm meant to be on holiday with my family <laughs> and... I've been running around with a small child for hours and my brain is dead. So I feel like I need more space to process these things. But it's all very exciting and I will be processing it and talking about it more over the coming weeks. How do you feel about all of it, Melissa, in terms of all the interview stuff? It's overwhelming in a good way, I would say. We're kind of getting some confirmation on some things that we're kind of speculating on when we just saw the teaser, you know, with Palpatine and with the Ray Kylo relationship. And just, it seems like, you know, we kind of know a lot. And on the other hand, there's still a lot that needs to be uncovered that but I'm kind of just really intrigued by everything that's come out and and the characters look so good and I can't wait to see more footage but yeah it's just overwhelming and exciting at the same time yeah no it really is like a great time to be a Star Wars fan right now so yeah I love my fandom uh, yeah I love you guys <laughs> too it's very good I'm gonna give the whole, I just want to right now give the whole Star Wars fandom a big hug Oh, all of this together Episode nine's coming out in a few months, guys. Let's hold it together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Positivity yes, and love. love. Lots of love to the whole fandom. <laughs> Lovely. I like how your voice is quivering with emotion. Uh, like the Mulan Rouge. Truth, freedom, and love. You know. <laughs> Since we're going to bring up Ewan McGregor later anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. We've got to cross that bridge. So, on the note of crossing bridges... They showcased the first official teaser for The Mandalorian at D23, and it looked really snazzy. Yeah. What did you think about it, Melissa? It looked like really high production quality, and like it's kind of like the quality you'd expect of like a big movie rather than you know a TV series. So it really mm-hmm. stuck out was like how well put together everything is. You know, the setting, the costumes, the cinematography. Um, it looked like really crisp and and clean and and also very Star Warsy too. So my, I guess the first impression was like it looks really good. Um, from the whole clip though, I, like, I can't really tell like you know what it's about. <laughs> still. Yeah. Um. Sure. But like a lot of the characters look cool, and I'm just I'm still kind of you know gonna wait and see the first episode before making a verdict because you know it's just. Which is kind of getting a feel of the show, but I still don't know what it actually is. But it might be cool. Yeah. So just, you know, wait, waiting and seeing when it comes out, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. So I agree with you. The trailer looks absolutely amazing. You can tell they have not been penny pinches with this. It clearly has had a lot of money spent on it and it looks incredible. Um, and I think there were some really evocative, amazing shots, like the one of the cracked ground was awesome. I loved the one of the person on a speeder at night. 
and the way the light radiated from their speeder that was really fabulous but yeah the, my main feeling upon finishing watching it was well what's the show actually yeah about? i'm glad i'm not the only one who feels that way <laughs> you're, you're not 100 percent like with a show it's really important for me that i have characters that i care yeah. about and that i invest in and i cannot invest in a character where i can't see Thank their face you, i'm yes. sorry yeah so yeah i really need this titular mandalorian character to remove his mask preferably in the first episode but i don't realistically think that will happen and if he doesn't i really need there to be this really compelling strong supporting cast around him who i can get invested in on that human level because yeah otherwise something isn't quite there for me like the best moment in the entire trailer for me to be completely honest was the moment where there's like the twilight girl who apparently is played by Natalia Tina, like turning around and winking yes, almost giving him like camera. a sassy face. And I was like, oh, no, that's some personality right there. That was pretty cool, I thought. Exactly. It was personality and it was an individual. And that's what I want in my entertainment, basically. Yeah. I need a person that I can connect to and be like, oh, she's a badass. I like her. You know, so already my most anticipated character from The Mandalorian is that Twilight yeah. Girl. Yeah. You know, all the other characters, they all seem to be very, like, serious and stoic (laughs) and, like, sat in dark, moody rooms. And and then there's Werner Herzog, who is amazing, and he's just been Werner Herzog and talking with that fabulous German accent (laughs) of his. And, yeah, like, he can do whatever he wants. Werner Herzog is just amazing. But apart from Werner Herzog and this Twilight girl... um, yeah, I need more. Yeah, I need more. I I know I sound greedy. Like it really was a wonderful trailer in so many ways. But even though it was wonderful, it didn't quite showcase the aspects of Star Wars that I love. Yeah, the most. exactly. For for me, what draws me into Star Wars, there's these cool settings and space and all of that. But what really draws me in is like connecting to the characters and really, you know, being drawn in and ending up rooting for the main characters and wanting them, you know, to be okay and like wondering like about their lives and. And I, and I don't care if a character wears a mask, but, like, if I can't, you know, connect with him at all, and if he, you know, I don't know who he is as an individual, like, what his fe- what he's feeling, what his emotions are. That's why I thought what Ryan Johnson did with Kylo Ren in Last Jedi was really good, just, like, you know, take off the mask, because Kylo was kind of using that to hide behind, you know, with a lot of things, and kind of, you know, see and process and empathize with this character so i know a lot of people think masks are cool and they are cool but it just at some points i need the mask to come off so i can kind of you know empathize with the character a little more yeah exactly and i think it's important to say that it's only really important here because we're talking about a protagonist wearing the mask exactly yeah in the original trilogy, it was fine for Vader to keep the mask on until the very end in those I imagine films. Luke wore a mask the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we weren't meant to like empathize with Vader, really. He wasn't our point exactly, of view character. Yeah. Like He was important, but we weren't meant to be like, yay, Vader! <laughs> um, whereas in this show, presumably they're going to want me to be, yay, Mandalorian! Exactly. And... Yeah, you need that human element, basically. Yeah, imagine Luke wearing a Tuscan Raider mask through, like, the whole uh, original <laughs> trilogy. Yes. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Someone edit that, please. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's possible oh now my God. as well, with, like, deep fakes and stuff. Oh, my God. 
Um, yeah, and the only other piece of news really that stood out to me from The Mandalorian at D23 is they revealed that the episodes are going to be released one by one. So it won't be a binge-watching mm. model, basically. So you won't be able to go in and watch the whole thing at once. They'll be released week by week. I think it makes a lot of sense, even though it might be a bit disappointing yeah. for people. Because, yeah, it just keeps the conversation going. And it's more likely to bring people in as well if they hopefully hear people saying, oh my god, there's this amazing new show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. You have to watch it. Like, so that's what they want. They need people to subscribe to this new service. Exactly, yeah. And then the other piece of news to come out about the streaming shows on at D23 was that we have finally had full yes. confirmation that an Obi-Wan yes. series is happening. It's unequivocal. There are no backseas. For realsies, finally. <laughs> I'm really, really, really excited. I was one of those people like holding their breath for an Obi-Wan movie. But I understand mm-hmm. kind of like why, like especially like with Solo and everything, they kind of like backpedaled on that format and why like a, a television format is probably better, especially since they're promoting their streaming service as well. And this way we can get like less, like the story would probably would have been rushed if it was like in the film format and, you know, it might have just tanked at the box office and then sad times, no more Ewan McGregor. But now we get plenty of Ewan McGregor. So I'm <laughs> pretty excited. Exactly. I think it's really cool because this news basically means that we're going to get so much more Obi-Wan than we would if yeah. it was just a movie. Yeah, I'm so ex- I'm so glad it's you and two. I would have kind of been upset if they would have gotten anyone else. Yeah, I kind of feel like if you can't get you and back for it, what's the yeah, point? Exactly. Basically, exactly. like j- just stop. Just stop. <laughs> and he's the perfect age to like play like 8 years after OTS. It's it's still like the right you can still do it. It's the perfect time frame right now. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't quite reached that benchmark where he's going to need to turn into Alec Guinness. Um, <laughs> which will be an interesting tip. Oh, they, they will do that one day, I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm sure they will. And they're probably going to do stuff with makeup to sort of get him closer to yeah. that in this new series. Um, I imagine to see Grey in the beard and stuff like that. He won't be quite as dapper looking as he was in Revenge of the Sith. One imagines living in Tatooine in the desert for eight years will make you look a bit dishevelled. But yeah, it's a really interesting time frame for it to happen in because for me, my main thought when I saw that it's going to happen eight years after Revenge of the Sith is that Luke is still a baby. He's still so little. Yeah, so it's going to be little eight-year-old Luke Skywalker running around on Tatooine, hopefully. And I'd, I actually wouldn't mind if the whole series was just like adventures between middle-aged Obi-Wan and baby Luke, and then he has to mind-wipe Luke at the end <laughs> of the day and send him home. <laughs> Although that's actually a bit sinister. Yeah. So or or it's that. like he's watching from afar and like, you know, Luke almost falls into a hole and like Obi-Wan puts some branches over it and like Luke's like, oh, where did that come from? And he looks around and no one's there, kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like they should totally do just like a whole episode that is just like these tiny vignettes of like Obi-Wan interfering to make sure Luke's They'd be missing a trick if they didn't at least do like one like comedic scene like something like that Yeah and I saw someone point out that they need to give us some reason to explain why Uncle Owen is so pissed at Obi-Wan and doesn't want him coming near Luke because like okay what happened so I think that's a really valid angle for them to take and do something with yeah because it seemed like they were still cool with each other at the uh, you know or at the end of rots so like something must have happened unless it was just you know 
his uncle being like, oh, I don't want him to get wrapped up in that Jedi nonsense, you know, kind of, which was what yeah. we were made to assume from just watching the original trilogy. Yeah, exactly. Like, so in this series, would you like to see Obi-Wan just be on Tatooine the whole time to fulfill that responsibility to look after Luke? Or would you like to see him go off world for some reason? I mean, it'd be cool if he left Tatooine, but like, I honestly would be happy just to watch a bunch of shenanigans on Tatooine as well. So I could probably go either way with it. But if it's going to be a long series, unless they think of some like really deep plot point on Tatooine, he might probably leave at some point to like have to do oh, there's this desperate person in need or like some kind of mission where he has to leave the planet, you know, for a little while and leave some droid looking yeah. after Luke or something or, or I don't know, or some force protection thing. <laughs> We've seen droids babysitting children and very badly before Poor in Ben. Shot, where the droid tries to kill yeah. Ben. Baby so, Ben. I hope he doesn't go down that route. Hopefully not. Shameful. <laughs> sad, Shameful. sad times. <laughs> Uh, yes, I've seen this really popular fan theory that like a big part of the series will be Obi-Wan going off to face Vader one more time. Hmm. And I find that a bit ridiculous. That kind of takes away from New Hope too, like because, you know, that seemed like it was the first confrontation in a long, long time. And if, you, oh, I just saw you a few years ago. Hey, kind of takes away from it a little bit, I think. <laughs> oh, you scallywag. Oh, it's you again. You hey. <laughs> another duel I'll eh? get you this time <laughs> yeah they don't want to turn into like a Saturday morning cartoon yeah. thing where they just like have weekly encounters it could get a bit silly yeah so before this news was officially confirmed at D23 we had all kinds of reports floating about um, in all kinds of different like channels basically so places like Variety re- reporting on the news, and Variety is obviously a major trade magazine. So yeah, that's Stone Cold Reliable. Um, but then we also had perhaps more colourful and interesting reports from some fan sites. And I just briefly wanted to bring up this one from Fan for Tracks, which reads as follows. Our sources tell us that the story will be spread across eight episodes, with McGregor directing a number of shows. Further to that, he will be performing alongside familiar mechanical co-star. And when we heard who it was, our hearts skipped a beat. So, what's your bet on the mechanical co-star? It's either, oh, what's the name of that waiter in, um, gosh. You know what I'm talking about when Obi-Wan goes to that ridiculous... Do you mean in, like, Dexter's diner? Dexter, so, if they're going, yeah, so, if they go the comedic route... (laughs) They're going to just throw in Dexter and be like, ho, 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 ho. Otherwise, they're going to like have 3PO in it because 3PO's literally in everything. Dexter, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, they bring Dexter back in for it and he like just has these like, you know, sassy one-liners for like every situation and (laughs) and (laughs) no one would expect it. (laughs) That would literally be the most random thing. That would be like me calling up the chain of McDonald's that I went to last week and like asking for the server who served me. Like, do you want to come and like hang out on my like? Do you want to go on an adventure where we're running for our lives? (laughs) I would like need more information and context on that proposition from Obi Wan to Dexter. (laughs) I mean, if he works in the service industry, he steals for pretty much anything, so he might be a good ally, actually. Oh my god. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, 
No, being a bit more yes. serious, I, I think the mechanical co-star, if this is actually a thing, because this report isn't confirmed right. or official, I think it could be R2-D2. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, his mind wasn't wiped. 3PO's mind was wiped. Yeah, I got that mixed up. So, yeah, then it would probably be R2-D2, because he's, he's in on everything, pretty much. Yeah, I think that would sort of require us seeing interaction between... Obi-Wan and Bale. Yeah. Because obviously R2D2 and C3PO got left on Bale's ship at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And yeah, like I think we've seen in some media that R2 was just like hanging around on the ships, kind of new layer a bit. Oh, it would be so awesome if Obi-Wan would visit Alderaan and like visit Bale and, and everyone and see like little Leia in the distance. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> I would love to see that. But yeah, like I think if it is going to be a familiar mechanical co-star, I don't see them going too esoteric with it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's the gonk droid. <laughs> Although oh. again, I would be totally down to the gonk. <laughs> we just need context. Indeed, indeed. But I oh guess they're already God. trying to allude to R2 with because and if you talk to anyone who barely knows anything about Star Wars and like say, oh, what, who's the, the droid? And they'll be like, R2-D2, even if they don't know any other characters, so I assume they'd want to bring in a character that a lot of people like to get, you know, the more people to watch the Obi-Wan series, maybe. Exactly, yeah. And I think R2 probably has more pull and power than Gonk. Probably. Very sadly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess <laughs> that's the case. Yeah. So at D23, they also reminded everyone that a Cassian Andor series is happening because I think some people might have forgotten. I, I honestly forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't release any substantial information on it, basically. Um, it was just like, yep, sure, stars, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk, <laughs> be happy. Woo! So yeah, my question to you, Melissa, and I think I know your answer <laughs> based on the tenor of our discussions here so far. <laughs> Is which Disney Plus series are you most excited oh. for? I feel like this is a futile mm, question. The Mandalorian. No, Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Mando fans, but like Obi Wan, especially you and McGregor's Obi Wan has like a special place in my heart. So, and yes. I, my all my friends will like tell you that I've been even if there's like any rumors or speculation about an Obi Wan movie, that I will never shut up about it. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited that it's actually confirmed and it's actually you and McGregor coming back for the show. So I'm I'm pretty stoked yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think my answer would be the same to be honest. At the moment it's got to be Obi Wan. Um and yeah, just because I'm a saga junkie <laughs> and this Obi Wan series is clearly gonna have the closest connection to like the saga. Yeah, I mean I actually it's... see little Luke. <laughs> Exactly. And Lookie, yeah, Lookie. it will be adorable and poignant and he'll probably mess up a yeah. lot, which will be endearing. He'll be like try struggling to do his farm chores and like Obi Wan will be like, you know, using the force to like help him out with the machinery or something from the distance. Oh. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it could be really cute and wholesome. I like the force. Yeah. Bless his little cotton socks. <laughs> So then let's move on. This feels like it happened almost a lifetime ago now, but it definitely happened after we recorded the last <laughs> podcast. Um, so this news is that Star Wars Resistance Season 2 has had a trailer revealed and the end of the series has been announced, which is a shame So I really liked Resistance. Um, can I ask you to read out the first two paragraphs yeah, that I have in the notes? 
Kaz, Tam, and the rest of the crew aboard the Colossus station are making the jump to light speed for an epic second and final season of Star Wars Resistance this fall. Star Wars Resistance Season 2 will premiere on Sunday, October 6, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Disney Channel and Disney Now with subsequent airings on Disney XD. Set amid the events of Star Wars The Last Jedi and before Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the story picks up after a harrowing escape from the First Order as Kazuda Siono and the dozens of the Colossus wind up lost in space, pursued by ancient tyranny and Commander Pyre who have taken Tam Ryovara aboard their ship. In the enticing new trailer, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren himself makes an appearance, along with General Hux, Captain Phasma, and plenty of other familiar faces alongside new characters, including a never-before-seen hut gangster. The thrilling final season promises to spotlight how even unlikely heroes can help keep the spark of hope alive in a troubled galaxy. So yeah... That's a really nice encapsulation of what goes on in that trailer. So I was really glad that the copy on <laughs> StarWars.com was so nice. But yeah, I thought this was a really awesome trailer. Have you seen it, Yeah, Marissa? I've seen the trailer. It looks really cool. I'm surprised and sad that it's the last season because I know for Rebels they had at least a few seasons, but they must have had their yeah. reasons for only wanting two seasons for some reason. Yeah, I think probably just the viewership uh, wasn't there for Resistance, which is a real shame. Bad. I do think it didn't help that the first promotion for Resistance was not very good. Mm. And if you compare the first trailer for the first season to this trailer for the second season, it's light years different. And I think if they'd aimed for the tone that we have now in those early promotional materials, I think it would have got people so much more hyped and invested in the show. And yeah, it just bumps me out. So I feel it was let down a bit by the promotion because I feel like it was such good storytelling and there's all these characters in the show that I really love and find interesting like I love Tam so much she's one of my like favorite characters of the new Star Wars canon and I think she has such a great unexpected journey in the first season of Resistance and I'm really glad that we're gonna see that story continued in season two but I just hope that it ends in a place it feels natural and it doesn't wind up on some huge cliffhanger. Yeah, it'd be terrible if it ended it because I thought they're gonna make more and like it's there's no like resolution to like a bunch of story arcs. I, I really hope like things are neatly wrapped up at least. Yeah, exactly. Like in a way, it makes sense for it to end after a second season because the show is obviously gonna go into that gap between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, and. Yeah, like I imagine that they don't want to go into a post-Rise of Skywalker world (laughs) with an animated series because they're going to want to leave that open for like the main story. Other projects maybe they already have in mind, who knows? Yeah, exactly. And the optimistic way of looking at this is that at least it means there will be space for new animated series that I'm sure will be really cool and exciting in their own right. And yeah, I just really hope that some of the creatives from Resistance get given a chance to like work on these other animated shows. Yeah. Like Justin Ridge, for example, he was so instrumental in... Oh, was it Brandon? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, because yeah, you have people like Athena, Portillo, Justin Ridge, Brandon Oman. 
like and of course Dave Filoni, all these people involved in Resistance, and obviously Filoni will be involved in oh, yeah. other animated yeah. Star Wars projects. So I don't question that for a minute. <laughs> but I hope all these other people stay on board as well because they're so talented and have crafted such an interesting, well-developed story that I want to see them given more chances to tell stories, even if they're not stories about these characters. Yeah, like, what did you make of the voices? Because obviously Phasma and Kylo were not being voiced by Gwendolyn Christie and Adam Driver. They made it work. Like, I, the voices match okay, but just in your mind, like, the, the voices of the actual actors in the films are, like, so iconic, especially, like, Adam with Kylo Ren. It's hard to imagine, like, Kylo Ren without Adam's voice, even though the actor does sound pretty good and it's okay, but... It works for the show, and I get why they can't, like, have Adam Driver come in and do, like, you know, tons of episodes and stuff, but but it's still, I'm still looking forward to seeing Kylo Ren, and hopefully that means that we'll get more than, it will just be more than Kylo Ren being on, on as a hologram. He, maybe he'll actually like, appear yeah. in a few scenes, I hope. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be nice. I also thought it was interesting that he's without the mask. Oh, yeah! Yeah, I think that's pretty important there, too. <laughs> yeah. So, my personal theory is that he only gets it fixed in Rise of Skywalker. So, he's maskless for that entire period of the yeah. canon, which I really yeah. like. So, that means so much opportunity for maskless Kylo. Indeed, on. indeed. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Exactly. Keep everyone <laughs> Okay, yeah, and then one final question about this resistance stuff for you. Mm-hmm. How much of a spectacular mess will Kylo be as supreme leader, and how much of this will resistance provide an insight into? Because obviously it's going to go a bit into the workings of the galaxy in this post Last Jedi world. Yeah. And there's going to be references to what the First Order and Kylo are doing. Do you see them? like mainly just building them up as all oh, they're this immense scary threat or do you see them perhaps giving away that there might be cracks going on within the first order i think they'll probably give away some cracks and i think to what extent they do that will get, it'll be some nods to what might happen in episode nine because like if they're already mm-hmm. establishing that oh they're kind of just kind of stringing along they're having issues you know with the leadership right now then we already know that there's gonna be a lot of crumbling happening in episode nine so and I'm sure they'll probably do some of that for comedic effect, especially since it's an animated show too. So I, I think we'll see. They'll make probably try still try and make him scary, but there's probably going to be some moments where he's like, you know, trying really hard to maintain control, and like something messes up, and he gets you know freaks out and gets angry and things like that. Yeah, exactly, and. Yeah, just the final thing from me is that I did watch the first episode of season two oh, of Celebration yeah. and it was really awesome. So I'm really excited for everyone to see it because, yeah, it was just really well done. And again, my girl Tam, it just sets up such an amazing story for yeah. her in this season. So I'm very excited to see where they yeah, go. Yeah, I like it. the concept of, you know, characters that are go on the, you know, supposed like bad side and you know and tam is like a good character but she sees something appealing in the first order and i think that whole story arc is like really fascinating and i want to see what they do with that yeah no exactly of all the stories i'm most excited to see tams yeah. just because it felt so shocking and unexpected for star wars animation yeah, it's a dark and very interesting turn <laughs> Right, okay, so then the final piece of news we'll talk about today is that we have previews from the upcoming Age of Resistance comics for Poe and Hux, 
and they're rather interesting. <laughs> I think Hux is more so than Pose, but let's talk about Pose first. So see, he's still a fave, and the comic looks really good, and it's amazing. Yeah, artwork, the artwork so. looks great. Yeah, I definitely think I'll be picking both yeah. of these up, basically. Uh, yeah, so what did you think about this preview? Yeah, when he's still in the New Republic um, Navy, and he's I I've 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 read in like one of those you know kind of before TFA books about briefly when he was in the New Republic Navy, but I've never like seen him actually in the uniform. So that's kind of cool seeing him you know like in a different outfit and you know actually seeing it rather than just reading about it, which I think is one advantage to comic form sometimes and. Yeah. And yeah, and it's just he's going out on, on a mission and we will have yet to see what that mission is and you know, whether Zori shows up or anything, as was alluded to. But it looks it looks really cool, yeah. It's a really nice style. And I like that BB eight's already rib him at it's this his point. Body. I think that's awesome. <laughs> BB Yeah, they're best friend. I love BB eight. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so cute. Um, and yeah, is it just me, or do their uniforms give you strong Star Trek vibes? It does really remind me of Star Trek uniforms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Poe looks good in any uniform, though, I have to say. that it's, it's It still yeah. suits him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely suits him, but honestly, I looked at that first panel, and I was like, has Poe entered the Star Trek universe? Crossover so time. <laughs> He's going to meet up with Captain Spock. <laughs> So then let's move on to the real like meat the potatoes bits. of this area of the podcast and talk about Age of Resistance, General Hux 1. Oh my god. Um, so the synopsis. Marooned! General Hux and Kylo Ren <laughs> crash land on a far off planet. With no hope of rescue, the two are forced to work together to survive. But can they survive each other? <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> That's the classic AO3 summary. Fix oh my god! I remember yeah. you, when the German dis- summary leaked and you sent it to me because you couldn't read it, and it, it was that summary, and I was like, "Oh my god, Kylo Ren and Hux have to work together. This is going to be hilarious." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Oh my god! So yeah, there's a bit more on the like credits page for the comic that gives us a bit more insight into what's going to go on in the mm-hmm. comic. Ruthless General Armitage Hux is one of the First Order's most dangerous and trusted leaders, third only to Kylo Ren <laughs> and the Supreme Leader himself. What a bummer. <laughs> what made Hux the man he is today? Ambition? Or something far more sinister? Dun dun dun. <laughs> okay, so then Melissa, I'm going to ask you to describe this horrible, horrible child abuse that is depicted in this comic. Yeah. That is very, very upsetting. Yes. And I, I say that in like a slightly laughy voice, but it's it, not it's, funny. It's, it's funny because it's funny. so terrible, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like over the top terrible, like a lifetime. And, movie and we know from the something. Phasma book that Hux really hated his dad and eventually has him killed, has Phasma kill his dad. <laughs> and I didn't feel sorry for Brendel back then. And now I really don't feel sorry for Brendel because we really get to see just some straight up child abuse right here so young armitage hucks how old would you say he looks in, in that comic rachel like he's a oh young god like pre-teen-ish. 10 11 years old yeah so like 10 or 11 ish he steps in his dad is like hanging out with some other officer and he he drops the tray of drinks that he's supposed to bring in and you, the dad's like you're pathetic and then the dude makes a quip about him being Ill- illegitimate and that 
Given you found his mother in the kitchen, you'd think your illegitimate son could at least serve a drink, Commandant Hux. <laughs> that was like, whoa, <laughs> that was a really low blow. Yeah, that's a burn. Massive and then burn. Hux like, is freaked out, obviously. Um, Armitage is freaked out and says he'll wipe it up. And then the, the I don't know who the guy is, but the other officer hanging out with Hux's dad tells Hux that he should just lick it up. And then Armitage looks at his dad with sad eyes like, Father... And and it's so sad, and he <laughs> leans over like he's about to actually lick it up, and then Brendel gets angry at him for acting like that and calls him weak and it's like, "Get up, Armitage! Get up!" And like, poor little Armitage is crying because he didn't know what to do to make his dad happy, and, and then he wakes up and it's the present tense again. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> It is really, really sad. And it's like, oh, come on. This is just obscene. Why are you doing this? Like, And I mean, you God. can read between the lines yeah. and other stuff. Because I've read extensively, you know, about Hux's backstory and stuff. And like, this is in line with that. And you could read between the lines that this stuff happened. But this is a case where you can blatantly see exactly what actually happened. So that makes it like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, even more all the more so shocking yeah. and actually makes you feel bad for for Armitage. Exactly. It's like there's someone had to literally draw tears. Yeah, but the tears. Like, Get up, Armitage. He's like, ah, father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes you really hate Brendel. Even I mean, Brendel's never like portrayed as a sympathetic character, even in, like in the Phasma novel. But like now, it's like it makes you be like, whoa, that guy was really like a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, it's like wow, he deserved, he deserved to die, to be, didn't he? You know, to vaporize in a back to tank. Well done, Phasma and Hawks. <laughs> job Good well job, done, Phasma. Yeah, no, it's really well done. Um, and then it basically continues to show Hux in the present day, um, and yeah, like it's him and kind of Ryan and a bunch of first order flunkies. They're like in a ship, yeah, I think, but it's crash landing. And yeah, they're in deep shit basically. And when they actually crash land, Hux is saved by Kylo, who uses the force to like keep the structure up around them. Um, and Hux is like, what, what? What? Did you save me? And then Kylo, using his full sass, is like, not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> and then he continues, I saved myself. You were just nearby. Oh my God. And then. Like, of course, Hux gets zonked on the head because, yeah, of course he does. Um, and, yeah, then they're basically stranded together. You can hear the, the sounds, the, the keys clicking of a million fanfics being written right after that came out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, oh, look, Kylux has overtaken Raylo on oh, the what happened? again. All overnight? What happened? <laughs> oh... <laughs> Oh, a comic. Okay. Surviving sense. together on an island trope. I see. <laughs> We've been outdone on this occasion. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it does... It is really super interesting to me, though, that they're choosing to tell this sort of story. And, yeah, that they're giving, like, Kylo any sort of positive interaction with Hux, even though Kylo is obviously saying, oh, I'm only doing it for selfish right. reasons. Don't beat yeah. yourself up. You, you know, like, Kylo probably could have just saved himself. I mean, I, I feel like he was probably standing, like, right where Hux is, and that he probably, 
it wasn't out of his way to actually lift the stuff up. But it, I mean, it could have been the case that he actually did go out of his way. But I'm just my impression is more cynical about Kylo's accent towards Hux. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, I don't think he was doing it for altruistic reasons. I do think it was to save himself. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like he could have just killed Hux straight he could after. Have, yeah, like you know, there's so many options, no one would have questioned it. It'd be like, oh dear, General Hux died in a crash. <laughs> What is she? Shame. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, they clearly survive and they clearly help each other survive. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be like, you know, where they have to like, you know, unwillingly work together and actually talk to each other in probably a civil manner as much as they can both manage to talk to each other in a civil manner and have to, you know, figure out how to survive and then get back off of the planet or whatever dangers they're going to face. But I'm really looking forward to this because the bickering between those two is just next level. Like, it's one of my favorite yeah. things of the sequel trilogy. It's just those two, like, being antagonistic towards each other. It's it's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be pretty wonderful. Um, but yeah, like, main takeaways to come away f- just from this preview is stuff like, why is Brendel using his child as his <laughs> personal servant? Isn't that what droids are for? Yeah. Like, what the like... fuck? Like, again, it's probably some sort of, like, sadistic thing purely to humiliate him, because there's no actual reason. Oh, yeah, and it's just pretty much showing that Brendel is complete jerk, like, un- unredeemable idiot, kind of, you know, horrible father, pretty much. Yeah. And, like, I have seen it questioned that, like, we obviously have this backstory for yeah. Hux, where he's this abused child in the EU, but none of that is really filtered through to the movies. You can like choose to infer right. some of that from right. his behaviour and his like profound insecurity. But yeah, there's no acknowledgement that anything. Right. I thought I think Donald didn't like know about most of the backstory until like someone eventually told him about it. Like I think there was some interview where he didn't even know that his first name was Armitage. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And it is really frustrating because it is a situation where it would be so easy to just send him like a cheat sheet, like with bullet points. Like, hey, this is your character's first name. Yeah, exactly. You are called Armitage Hux. You are the illegitimate child of a person called Brendel Hux, who we're going to say looks like Brendan (laughs) (laughs) And an anonymous kitchen woman. Brendel was a real abusive bastard. You had him killed. (laughs) Exactly. Things like this. It would have been instructive one of my I wonder if now for the last film like Donald's been more informed about Hux related things depending on like what happens with Hux in the last film and, and you know and how many scenes he even has and you know how that all ends yeah. but I'm assuming hopefully he's more filled in and as well as the other actors with their characters too yeah you'd like to think so I kind of understand why they don't really even acknowledge that any of this stuff happened because obviously these films have to be so tight and yeah. move so quickly that it's difficult to see like any incorporation of like Hux is in his quarters. He is having a flashback to when Brendel was an abusive shit to him. This flashback is used to explain why he became what he became. You need like a mini biopic almost to explain all of that, <laughs> which I would watch happily. Maybe that could be a future Yay! Disney Plus series. Huck spin off yes. with Donald Gleason. Please. Come on, Lucasfilm. You'll make Star a lot of money. <laughs> it's not just Russian bots. <laughs> People like Hux. <laughs> oh, bless Ryan Johnson. That was such a cute interview. Uh, so I think that's most of the news done now. 
which is awesome. I think we did pretty well in wrapping that, that up in just over an hour. Yay! There was a lot of news, too. There was, yeah. We kind of, like, marched through that. And yeah, hopefully people are satisfied. So let's move on to our Fraun Spotlights, which Melissa has done such a good job at preparing. Like, honestly, I'm so grateful oh, thank to you. you. I've, I've done my like, best. Six questions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so yeah, just some context for this. I alluded to this at the start of the show, but I know basically nothing about Fraun. <laughs> like, obviously, I know basic things like Fraun is blue. Fraun is a severe military commander who is very brilliant and very good at what he does. And he was invented by Timothy Zahn for the old EU. So the original canon that started in the like early 90s and is now Legends. Um, and he has more recently been re-canonized with appearances in Rebels. And also a new series of books about Fraun written by Timothy Zahn. But that's almost the (laughs) summary of my entire knowledge, basically. So what I wanted to do here is bring in Melissa, who's a huge Fraun (laughs) fan, and give her an opportunity to enlighten the unenlightened, basically. So I'm going to ask her very basic questions about Fraun, and she's going to very gently talk me through them. (laughs) And yeah make leave me feeling much more informed and feeling much more comfortable with Fraun, who he is and what he represents. Yeah, and, and just as a caveat, like I'm a big Thrawn fan, but if I've I've missed anything because the, the literature on Thrawn, especially the legend stuff, is very, very dense. If if there's something I missed, then I apologize in advance, but I have pretty much read most stuff Thrawn is in, so I'm just kind of going on what I've read and in my experience pretty much okay cool awesome like I will believe whatever (laughs) you say unquestioningly but yeah people are of course welcome to tweet us or whatever if you have any suggestions or corrections so yep okay so let's kick this off why is Thrawn blue so Thrawn's a member of a species of humanoids called the Chiss and the Chiss are pretty much really similar um, in biology to humans, except that they have like different characteristics like blue-black hair, glowing infrared eyes, and blue skin. So it's, it's in a, a species trait. And in canon, mm-hmm. we still haven't had an ex- official explanation anywhere in the new canon material um, of why the chiss are blue. But in a lot of right. cases, and Z- when Zahn's asked about a lot of these things, he says that in his mind, the answer is still the same as the legend's explanation. So in a lot of the times with these questions, if we don't have an answer yet, because there's just been pretty much three books so far now with new canon thrown, um, so the answer is pretty much we can pull from legends and kind of infer that that's the case until we are corrected by new material. So um, cool. part of the legend's explanation is that the Chiss pretty much were humans that had explored the outer regions a long, long, long time ago. And they evolved after spending time on their new home planet, which was Salah, a very cold, ice-covered planet. And um, their glowing ice came to do with the Chiss having to live underground and oxygen levels kind of correlating with making their eyes glow, which is why Thrawn has red glowy eyes. In some materials, it seems like they're just red, but the chist, the eyes actually glow red. Like, if the lights would turn off, their eyes would look red. And the blue skin is believed to come 
to exposure to glacier minerals that just, you know, for either drinking the water or just eating stuff on the planet. It's So it pretty much comes from the minerals of their home planet. Um, now the Chis, they don't only live on Salat anymore, but they started out on that cold planet, but they've kind of extended um, in the outer regions and they kind of have their own colonies and kind of expanded into more planets and they're kind of this really successful species now in the outer reaches. Right. Yeah, that's a very Thank thorough you. explanation. <laughs> and yeah, like it's amazing because there's this deep, deep lore there, in history. There is, you have to go pretty deep with some of these things and it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's it's um, much more sci-fi than I'm used to my Star Wars being. In terms of these things having such a deeply foretell, meticulous Yeah, yeah Son is very sci-fi. And, and he studied, yeah. like, I don't remember, someone's going to correct me, he has some kind of science degree. So he's, like, really into the sci part of the sci-fi, I think. Right, yeah, more so than the fiction slash fantasy. Yeah. Right, so let's move on to our next question. So my next question is, how old is Thrawn? And with this, it would also be really interesting to get an explanation about the Chiss lifespan, because I have no idea how similar slash dissimilar that is to humans. We don't actually have an exact like age range or age given for Thrawn. I mean, Zon has kind of given us like general kind of allusions to how Thrawn is in certain books, but pretty much mm-hmm. it's kind of like fan speculation on depending on like other characters, and um which I'll get into in a second. As for the Chiss lifespan, in Legends, like an, an author that was not Zon kind of came up with something that Chiss children like rapidly age and they don't have a childhood. But... Oh my god, that's such a science fiction thing to do. It's like, ah, childhood's boring. We don't have childhood. But Zon never wrote that. And um, in, in new canon... Like, there are just little children and babies, and we have seen small children, so I I'm, I didn't include that in the notes, because um, the in new canon, we pretty much see small just children, and I can pretty much assume from that they have a similar lifespan to humans. Um, yeah. Right. So, there are some little tweaks, and, you know, there's a bunch of stuff in Legends that, some conflicting information, but in, in new canon... So, I guess they had so many different authors... Most of the time, I just look at what Zon wrote because he's the original creator yeah. of the character. And I mean, I know some people get more into this other stuff that other people wrote, and that's totally cool. Um, but for like just discussing Thrawn and like, you know, the actual what might go into new canon, it's better to look at Zon because Zon's the only one pretty much writing Thrawn in new canon now. So we can go back to more what yeah. he's written. But from what we see in new canon, um, the Chiss have a lifespan similar. Um, as far as we know, to to humans. And as for Thrawn's age, so we don't have an exact age, but in the book Thrawn Alliances, um, Thrawn meets up with Anakin, and in that scene where they meet up, it's kind of inferred that they're around the same age. So, you know, it could be a bit off with that, but if we just estimate from Thrawn's age based on Anakin or Darth Vader's age, which we kind of have a better grasp on, um, we can kind of guess how old Thrawn is during a certain time period. So based off these calculations, like a lot of fans would estimate that Thrawn is about in his mid-40s during the time we see him in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, in Legends, like the main story where he shows up is the Thrawn trilogy. And um, 
pretty much we see him in another book as a younger man called in a book called Outbound Flight. And and mm-hmm. Anakin is still a Padawan at this point, so we can see in Legends that Thrawn isn't the same age as Anakin, and um, Thrawn is older than Anakin. And from the same type of estimation, we'd say that Thrawn's kind of in his 60s during the Thrawn trilogy. Wow. Yeah. So, because okay. this also takes place during, like, the death throes of the Empire, Palpatine's already dead. Whereas new canon, Thrawn is put right when Palpatine's still at the height of power and, you know, when the Empire's still, you know, in the midst of being, you know, a big force and the galaxy and hasn't been defeated yet. Right, yeah. Like, is he described physically in a way that would suggest he's like an older man in Legends? Like, is he described as having wrinkles the, or anything like that? The only, like, thing about Zahn is he doesn't describe his characters probably as much as he should. He There are, um, <laughs> there are character descriptions, um, but right. most of the time with Thrawn, it's mostly described as glowing eyes and blue skin and also his more of his, like, intellectual demeanor and how thoughtful he <laughs> right, is yeah. and, you know... Um, no, that yeah. makes sense. It's a very sci-fi author approach. Yeah, there are yeah. descriptions. It's not like Thrawn's but... rippling muscles. Oh, that would be like something I'd write beneath his tight uniform. <laughs> <laughs> You're reading my fan fiction now. <laughs> Sorry, I got You're confused. You another time, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> but um, yeah, but we can kind of guess Thrawn like how old he is based on other characters because in Outbound Flight there's um like a younger diplomat named Formby that's kind of slightly older than Thrawn and then we see the same character a long time later as a very very old man meeting up with Luke and Mara so we can pretty much see that oh this character was slightly older than Thrawn and, and Thrawn was kind of like older in the Thrawn right. trilogy when we saw him in Legends um, but yeah with canon okay. the Safe bet is kind of guessed around the same age as Darth Vader slash Anakin. Right. That's really interesting. So that's like the first substantial difference between new canon and Legends yeah, Thrawn. Yeah, the timeline. Like of yeah. the ones that we've spotlighted here, obviously, I'm sure there are others. But yeah, I guess it makes sense. He can seem like more young and vital. And it's also like when they had the story take place because Thrawn in new canon, it's like he has to kind of do political infighting, um, you know, with when the Empire's at its height. Whereas in, in Legends... Thrawn's just kind of this last remnant of the Empire after Palpatine's dead, and he's just kind of made to be this, like, really competent villain for, like, Luke and, and the co to, like, you know, face off against. So, the yeah. the time period, I think, it's tweaked also because they wanted Thrawn in Rebels, I think. Um, so, that wouldn't have worked out if they would have kept that same, you know, timing for everything. Yeah, right. So then, my next question... Is Thrawn the only Chiss in the Empire? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the answer is yes, as far as we know. And um, now the, the book Thrawn Treason that I recently finished, which is an excellent book, by the way. It's the third book in the trilogy of new canon books that Zahn has written about Thrawn. And um, there is there are some shenanigans with some Chiss being like kind of on the edge of the Empire. And I don't know if I'm really going to count that as Chiss being in the Empire, because they're mostly like kind of just going after some enemies, at, you know, on the edge that kind of flipping back and forth, you know, kind of on the, this kind of unknown kind of, you know, line between where the Empire really starts and wild space pretty much. So if you want to get really technical, you could 
kind of refer to that, but as in Chiss, like, kind of existing and living in the Empire. As far as I know from new canon material, Thrawn's the only one who's, like, you know, settled or lived in the Empire. I mean, this could be, like, random minor characters in, in other stuff I've missed, but as far as I know. And... Yeah, just to be clear, is Wild Space the unknown yes, region? Unknown so the same thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. And is that that's where the Chiss come from? Yeah. So they're in, they have their own kind of territory, um, but it is in the the unknown regions that you know it's not in the Empire. But they have like their kind right. of own kind of colonies that they've built and and things like that. Yeah. Not built, but yeah. And they're presumably not unknown to the Chiss. <laughs> no. No. It's, it's they they call it Chiss space. So when yeah, when the part of the unknown regions that belong to the Chiss, the Chiss refer to as Chiss space. Yeah, so there were um there was a Chiss base in um the wild space that was still part of the empire um in in a, on a planet called Neron. Um and it was manned by both Chiss and Imperial personnel who remained loyal to Thrawn even after like Thrawn's downfall pretty much. And then there's this kind of whole other, you know, misadventures that Luke and Mara and Cole go on and pretty much the thing is, like, Thrawn tried to clone himself and so he could come back. Like, what is it about legends and cloning? Why does everyone want to clone themselves or everyone else? Like, I, do not I really hope they don't bring back the cloning. I mean, they kind of did in, in the prequels with the, the Stormtrooper, so I shouldn't say that, but I hope they don't bring back, like, uh, other kind of weird subplots where he's a clone or, you know, those those crazy batshit Ray theories or Ray's Palpatine's clone or like Ray's Anakin's clone or Ray's cloned from Luke's Oh yeah, yeah, Ray's clone or oh my god, just there can be something more original. I'm not there I'm not saying it's bad to write that, but it's just I don't find it that interesting like just the the plot point oh it's a clone you know but yeah you know gotta love legends <laughs> yeah Luke. yeah so when zon wrote clones in his stories um to get the clone name he added another vowel into the middle of the of your, the name so luke's clone is luke with two u's <laughs> So what's Franz? Is it Franz? Oh, yeah. I I don't know if he ever named the like. There's a scene where, where the clone wakes up and like goes after like Mara and Luke and they're trying to kill the clone when he's still in the tank, pretty much. And like they have to pretty much flood themselves and they almost die. But um, I don't remember if he's named the clone in that scene. Someone who's really deep in legends will probably correct me. Um, it's in the Hand of Thrawn right. duology. It's a duology of books where that happens. Um. I, I right. don't know. I'm assuming it would be Thrawn with two... <laughs> like, because the other clones that he, he writes, he adds another. So you know that he's talking about the clone and not, like, the original person. <laughs> right, sure. So, like, my... No, that's very helpful of him. I my my clone name would be Moisa. Like, put... Or, may, or maybe put, like, Meli. Either put another E or another I. I'm not quite sure. And yeah. you'd be, like, Rachel. <laughs> 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 that's amazing i love my clone name you gotta just love legends sometimes it's just it's wacky but like it, it's just you know it's nothing else like it you know <laughs> yeah no it's fun it's all good fun and that's most important um oh goodness. <sighs> okay right so the next question is a bit yeah. of a biggie 
Um, but it's what are the key differences between Legends Thrawn and Canon Thrawn? I expect for you this will be like, oh god, where do I begin? <laughs> but yeah, feel free to have your best shot at him in terms of summarizing right. the key things that like a noob like me will be able to grasp. <laughs> um, well, actually, in my opinion, um, Zahn has also said this as well. He's tried to stay consistent with Thrawn's personality and also kind of his orange- origin story is pretty much the same in both Legends and New Canon. The big, big difference is where we see Thrawn showing up in the timeline of events. And Thrawn right. obviously appears earlier in the timeline so he can be a villain to Ezra in, in Rebels. And this is like pre-Rogue One, pre-New Hope era that he shows up. And then in Legends, he didn't show up till post-ROTJ because he's the baddie for Luke and Han, Leia, and Mara in the Thrawn trilogy. So in in Legends, Thrawn is... Like, it kind of does affect his personality a little bit and, like, what he's kind of fighting for. Like, he's part of the last remnants of the Empire and he's kind of is still, like, in the outer reaches of space with, like, a few loyal Imperial officers even after Palpatine's dead in Legends. And in canon, Thrawn pretty much comes to the Empire right when Palpatine's still way in power and he has to climb his way through the ranks of a very xenophobic Imperial Navy who, you know, they don't like aliens, they they think he's, you know, just Palpatine's little puppet and he has to deal with a lot of political infighting and people trying to sabotage him, which makes for an interesting story, but it also, you know, shows a different side of Thrawn, which is like a key difference, I think. Um, but he might he might have yeah. been like this in Legends too, but we just see him acting in different situations. So I think that is a, a big yeah. difference between how Thrawn's portrayed in Legends and New Canon. I guess that um depiction of him climbing the ranks in the new canon that comes in the novel. Yeah, so the it's mainly in the first Thrawn novel, which is also has a really excellent comic adaptation that I would recommend. The art by Luke Ross is really cool. Um, so I'd recommend if you're not a big novel person, to check out the 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 Thrawn comic adaptation of the first novel, and it's pretty much the most important chunks of the stories in there. So if you're more of a comicy person, um. Uh, that it does is does cover Thrawn coming to to the Empire and having to go to the Imperial Academy and then you know just kind of having to get promoted up the ranks until he you know becomes the Grand Admiral we all know and love when he shows up in Rebels. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, I'm glad they like show all these different facets of him through the different yeah. media because I guess something like Rebels because it's a kid show you're obviously limited in how That's deep you true. can go like into introspective yeah. moments and like the history of the character i guess it's alluded to though oh yeah i mean well in rebels like we mostly see thrawn when he's already like climbed to power but um in the the canon book really gives us like insight to like what his motivations really are and you know he's he's pretty much he's come to the, to the empire and it's kind of the same in legends because there's um, a, a looming threat to the Chiss. There's these, there are these evil, like, um, hostile aliens trying to take over in the part of space where the Chiss live. And Zon um, pretty much writes Thrawn kind of possibly being a double agent, but we don't completely know. That's kind of what Treason touched on a bit um, of, of Thrawn um, going to the Empire and climbing the ranks and seeing if the Empire can eventually help the Chiss. And I guess the big question in Treason was, is Thrawn completely loyal to the Empire now or will he go back and help the Chiss? 
pretty much. And so that that's still like a big motivation for, for Thrawn that in the back of his mind, he's still thinking about his people while he's trying to, you know, win battles for, for Palpatine pretty much. Yeah. And like that sense of like loyalty to his people that's present in both like Legends from I, I would say Thrawn, so, right? yeah, because it, it's definitely brought up both in, in Legends and Canon and and we see Thrawn in Legends and Canon, especially in well I don't I don't know how do I go into any spoilers for the Thrawn Treason book or should I just lightly touch upon it? Like I, I think you can. I think it's fine. But yeah, if you don't want spoilers for Thrawn Treason, please skip yeah. ahead by like three yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to say it in three yeah, minutes. That's says. fine. So I'm pretty much just in Thrawn Treason. We see that his loyalty probably still is with the Chiss because he uses um the imperial his imperial fleet that he's on. He he's on the Chimera and he meets up with Admiral Alarlani, which is a Chiss admiral in, in the, the Chiss defense fleet and pretty much teams up with her to like fight these like evil hostile aliens that have kidnapped some Chiss navigators and and it is Thrawn argues with Palpatine later that oh it was for the benefit of the Empire because like these aliens are a real threat to the Empire, possibly in the future, but really in in the present time, they weren't that big of a threat to the Empire, and we kind of see Thrawn's true colours that, probably deep down, he's going to remain loyal to the Chiss. Right. Nice. Okay, cool. So, we've kind of touched upon this a bit, but what did you make of how Thrawn is depicted in Rebels? And do you prefer him in Rebels over the books, or vice versa? So, like, what is your preferred way of receiving canon form. I'll receive Thrawn in any way, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing um, answer. Yeah, I I like Rebels Thrawn and I, I like Book Thrawn too, so but I feel like Rebels Thrawn is kind of like an extension of what we see of the character of, of new canon Book Thrawn. And um there are some dif- a little bit of differences because Rebels is I feel like more for a younger audience and you can go less in depth because it's an animated show versus a book. You can go right in, more into the character's mind. But I feel like the character decision was pretty much spot on for the most part. And Lars Mikkelsen's voice acting was really, really good for, for Thrawn. It matched Thrawn's character really well. So I really enjoyed kind of seeing Thrawn come to life, you know, on a show and, you know, hear his voice. And, you know, I could I could listen to Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn, like, all day. Like, he could read the, thro- the, the phone book as Thrawn, and I would totally listen to that. Oh, um, awesome. Do, do they get him to, like, do the audiobooks or the novels? Oh, I think or? they get someone else. I, I have a friend that really listens to a lot of the audiobooks, and they get different people but she said that whoever they get is really really good as well and she recommends the the audiobook versions of the new Thrawn books so okay so cool. I think those are really good yes yeah, so I just think from what you were saying it seems like a wasted opportunity yeah but it's probably hard to get Lars Mikkelsen to like you know here read this Lars sit in this recording booth I, I don't know how hard it is to get these people probably but yeah yeah probably expensive but I hope if they do more like either animated Thrawn or even live action Thrawn that they'll either get like Lars Mikkelsen to do it or I think his brother Max Mikkelsen would be good for live action Thrawn even though we've already had him as a character in in Rogue One so Max Mikkelsen so I don't know if they could (laughs) unless they really do go crazy with the makeup and stuff (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that sort of thing they could probably get away with it. So I doubt casuals would have any idea. That's it was true. Actor. And I hope. I wonder if they really would go with live accent shifts because I know they do live accent Twi'leks, as we saw in the Mandalorian, and obviously in the original trilogy and stuff, we see Twi'leks and and you know certain humanoid aliens. But I would love to see some chis in like a live action film, even if it's Thrawn or not, even if it's an original character. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where it'd be really interesting to see how effective it would be because, yeah, it works really well yeah. in animation. It's obviously the vibrant colours and everything. But it's like, would it look too cartoony? They might just have to CGI the, the eye glow a little bit. But like when you see the stuff to do with the Marvel characters, it's like, oh, I'm sure there are capabilities. I think if they were to pull it off, I think they'd make it work. It's just, yeah, I have exactly the same question about Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, there's obviously this very popular fan desire to see that character in live action, which I totally get. But yeah, I just have a hard time seeing how a character of that species would look yeah, in a live exactly. action movie. But I mean, if they would do it, they'd probably make sure it looks good because all the fans that like those characters would be really angry and, and they wouldn't want that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, here's to hoping for more non-human characters. And I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Chiss, though. So I, I really, really like them. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. And so then to round out like the formal yeah. discussion, which five books would you recommend to a complete for all newbie? Yeah. So for a newbie, um, I would definitely 100% start out with Thrawn, the 2017 new canon novel by Timothy Zahn. And even just start out with just that one and, you know, just to get a feeling for the character, because if any book's going to get you to actually root for Thrawn and understand what's going on in his mind it's that book because even in legends we didn't even have like a narrative quite like that we had like a a short story about his origins in legends that was kind of like an extra thing at the end of another book but Thrawn um the 2017 novel is like pretty much from his point of view and also if you like rebels it gives the backstory of Arinda Price Governor Price too so you see kind of how she turned out to be how she is which I think is also really interesting and cool and it also has one of my favorite imperial characters Eli Vanto which Eli Vanto is kind of like he's an imperial character but one that you can really identify with he's kind of like you know the every man on the other side of Thrawn who's like this genius you know alien dude with you know all these lofty ambitious Eli Vanto just wanted a career as a supply officer and he gets dragged in with being Thrawn's translator and then eventually his assistant and it's just he's a really sympathetic character and he's like one of my top imperial favorite characters right now and maybe oh, ever nice. so it, so you get yeah. Thrawn's backstory and also a lot of cool other characters um so even just as a Star Wars fan I think everyone should give that book a try and then if you read the book and are interested in Thrawn, um, I'll continue to Thrawn Treason, which is actually the third book in the new canon novel series. And the reason why I would recommend at least a newbie to skip Thrawn Alliances is because it doesn't like continue the plot threads as much. Unless you're like really completionisty or whatever, you could just probably read a synopsis if you're not sure and then just go to Thrawn Treason because it continues more with Eli Vanto's story, which left off at the end of the first Thrawn book and wasn't really mentioned in Thrawn Alliances. And also just the, the plot thread of, of Thrawn and, you know, and his people and 
you really just need to know that, you know, the Chiss have navigators and the story about that that's kind of touched on in Throne Alliances that you could probably get from a synopsis. And, like, Throne Alliances shows, like, a lot of, like, back and forth with Thrawn meeting Anakin and then meeting up again with Vader and then going on a mission together and kind of, like, how they get along and don't get along, which is amusing in some points. But, like, if you're a newbie and, like, you're kind of, like, not sure if you want to read all of that and just want, like you know, more of the story that you read in the first novel, I would just say go straight to Thrawn Treason. I mean, you could change mm-hmm. your mind and read it later anyway, but um, just my number two recommendation would be those books. And um, mm-hmm. then if you read those books and like, oh, I do like Thrawn, I'm ra- rather intrigued by him. And then at that point, I would delve more into the legend stuff. So I definitely do new canon first. Because it's relevant to, you know, the current plot thread of Star Wars and, you know, the characters you're more familiar with. But if you want the origins of Thrawn, especially since Zahn's pretty much pretty, like, consistent with how he writes or at least thinks about Thrawn in both Legends and New Canon, um, I would actually start with Outbound Flight, which is mm-hmm. actually not Thrawn's first appearance, but if you want to know more about Thrawn, um, Thrawn appears as like this young idealistic officer still in the Chiss Navy and you kind of see like Thrawn before he like you know turns into like the villain of the the um, Thrawn trilogy series so and mm-hmm. you get to see you know Thrawn being idealistic and like kind of going against um, military orders because the Chiss have like a policy of don't attack unless you're attacked first and like Thrawn's really against that because you know he thinks he can protect his people better by like attacking you know mean species that are a possible threat that could eventually hurt the Chiss so he kind of gets in trouble and you know goes against it a lot and his brother Thross is like one of my favorite Legends characters who his brother is like a politician because the, the Chiss have this big political kind of bureaucracy and he always has to kind of go and like do damage control when, when Thrawn's kind of done something stupid and <laughs> nice do all the siblings have T names um or are they just two is it just Frost and Thrawn unfortunately Zahn doesn't delve too deep in like Thrawn's like family or anything as far as we know it's just Mithrasophis and Mithran Rudo, which are their full names and then their their core names start with TH because they're from the Meath family, and that's at the beginning of their names. And so the TH oh. is the beginning of that mi- mixed with the middle syllable, which then... So that's why they both end up with TH, Thrawn and Thras. Yeah. That's extremely impressive, my god. <laughs> yeah, choose have, like, really complicated names, yeah. Yeah, sorry, please continue with the book explanations. So definitely Outbound Flight. Um, just for like background on Legends Thrawn, and then um, then I would jump to Heir to the Empire, which is the first book of the Thrawn trilogy, and it's Thrawn's main appearance, like in Legends in those three books, uh, when like he's the villain, and like you know, and it's like a story about pretty much Han, Luke, Leia, and then Mara Jade comes in too, and you know, pretty much Thrawn's like the villain, and they're trying to sort things out, and it's a pretty good cool, good read if you're interested in Legends at all. I would recommend the Thrawn trilogy, but I definitely recommend just starting out with the first book and seeing if you're into it because, you know, sometimes switching from Legends to reading new canon stuff is a bit of a leap because just the writing styles changed of those things and it can be, you know, a bit like, oh, what's going on here with all these characters, you know? 
So just give sure, it a go. Yeah. Dip your feet in and see if you like it. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then if you if you like all that stuff, then I recommend one of my favorite Legends books, Survivor's Quest, also by Timothy Zahn. It actually doesn't have Thrawn in it, but there are a lot of Chiss characters, and it actually was meant to come before Outbound Flight. So in the timeline, Outbound Flight happened before this, like many, many years ago, but it's kind of like the prequel because pretty much Luke and Mara go to this mission um, among the, the Chiss because there's this they've discovered a crashed Imperial ship, which was called Outbound Flight in, in Chiss space. Like it was this like kind of luxury colony ship that the Empire sent out. And um, pretty much everyone's trying to figure out what happened to Outbound Flight because it just disappeared and, oh, now they found it again. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, alien kind of, you know, interpolitical, like, rivalry kind of stuff. And we also see a lot of, like, Chiss characters getting involved. And, um, like, if you want more Chiss and you want, like, kind of context, if you really liked Outbound Flight, then I would recommend Survivor's Quest. And also, if you want more Mara Luke, <laughs> and this is a good Mara Luke book, <laughs> or if you want to give it a try, <laughs> if you've heard of Mara and Luke together, then that's good, because they're, they're already married, because, like, the Mara and Luke was, like, the original, at least in Legends, really slow-burn couple that like they're they're enemies and they're like friends and they're like awkwardly oh I like him but he's with another chick and then oh guess we're about to die will you marry me literally so so was Luke actually with another woman before oh he's Mara? been with a lot of women before Mara like it takes like he knows Mara for a long time and like Mara actually like dated Lando or like there's a debate he she either dated or fake dated Lando for like a while. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> mind blown. You need to come on for a different episode where you answer questions about Mara Oh my god, Jade. I'd love to talk about Mara Jade. She's so cool. <laughs> I, I have made a mental note already, yes. so that's going to be your comeback. But yeah, that was my fifth rec, um, Survivor's Quest. So pretty much a, a synopsis of what I just said. The, start with the canon. If you like it, you can try Legends. <laughs> Okay, awesome. I think that's a pretty fabulous starter's guide to form, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that should hopefully demystify him a little bit to the unknowing (laughs) ones like myself. Yeah, like, are there any last words you'd like to say about the character or people who are thinking about seeking him out, Melissa? Um, yeah, so, um, just, yeah, with Chiss names, I, I touched on that really briefly, um, the Chiss have like kind of long three part names. Like Thrawn's full name is Mithran Nerudo, and the first part of their name is like kind of their family name. And the middle, like the middle syllable in the end, is like a given name, and then the other half is like either like a political designation or something to do with like maybe their job. But it, that's not really like like specified exactly what the third part is because like high-ranking officers like Admiral Arlani who is a really cool badass character might I add um (laughs) (laughs) just has two parts to her name and actually some fun facts about Arlani is that um Zahn made Arlani um after uh he saw a female Thrawn cosplayer and she's like oh I'd like a female Chiss character to cosplay and then he he created Arlani and she's like um a Chiss admiral that wears all white, kind of like how Thrawn wears all white. So it's, it's pretty cool. And she shows oh, up nice. in Thrawn Trees and there's a lot of Arlani. So if you like really cool, badass female like characters, yeah, I think you should check out Arlani. And she 
she pops up at the end of the first Thrawn book, but there's she's in the third new canon Thrawn book, Thrawn Treason, quite a bit. So I'd recommend that. And yeah, so definitely that. And then just that Thrawn has a lot of um, well-known sidekicks that kind of go along with his his stories. Like in Legends, he has Captain Peleon, who was recanonized in um, both a brief mention in, in Rebels, where Thrawn's like, call Captain Peleon, you know, when things are like really going downhill. And you're like, oh, he's canon again. Right. And you, you saw like the Thrawn Twitter kind of lose their crap over that. And <laughs> and then he's mentioned in um, the Thrawn Treason as well. Um, so Zon likes to kind of write like a human kind of Watson to Thrawn, Thrawn Sherlock to kind of like have a more identifiable character. Thrawn is just kind of like this military genius who can like analyze artwork and kind of like, oh, this is what these spe- species is like. And this is how this person did this. And it's like, you, you know, it's kind of helps to have like this down to earth character. Like my favorite one being Eli Vonto. I, I can't say enough mm-hmm. how much I love Eli Vonto. Um, we co- Did, would you say that you prefer Eli to Thrawn? Oh my god, you're putting me in a hard situation. But oh, I think I'm I, I, I'm, I love <laughs> Thrawn, but I might have to say yes because, like, so Eli Vanto, like, there aren't many characters like that because we have an imperial character that's portrayed as in every appearance as a protagonist. He's an imperial that still feels like he's loyal to the empire, but he's portrayed as the protagonist. And, like, that's, like, a really interesting characterization because in most Star Wars stuff, the Imperials are always, like, oh, they're bad. They have, you know, like, bad intentions. Whereas Eli's just kind of trying to live his life. And in a lot of situations, he's always, like, trying to do the right thing. And then he he goes to the Chiss at the end of the first Thrawn book and, like, has to learn their language and kind of, like, climb their ranks again and feel this weird conflicted, am I still loyal to the Empire? Now I work for the Chiss. And he's just this fascinating, like, like, relatable character. And he's also described kind of as a pretty boy, too. (laughs) So that that, that kind of helps. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, he sounds very much like a fan favourite. No, that's awesome. Like, thank you so much for coming on to share all this, Melissa. It's really cool. So it really allows a different angle because obviously neither Custy nor I know much about Thrawn. Yeah. So it's really... Like, this is the whole point, basically, about bringing on yeah, different types yeah. of guests because then they can talk about what they really care about and what they're really knowledgeable and passionate about. And, yeah, I think you did a really great job oh, of answering you. my uh, questions. Yeah, so thank I you so much. I think that's the great thing about Star Wars is there's so many different... Like, you can have areas of specialty, and you know, because someone likes sub- this subject more, and then you can kind of compare notes, and that's how dense Star Wars lore is, so that's something that I really like as a Star Wars fan. So so thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, so I think let's wrap mm-hmm. it up here for now. So where can people find you yes, on the interwebs, so on the interwebs, Melissa? I'm on Twitter as Blue Star Prince, and I'm also on Tumblr as Hux Fan Blog, and I'll be probably posting more and more as more Star Wars news starts to come out after after this drought we've been experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we're finally being fed. <laughs> okay, awesome. And you can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!